A terrorist attack, and I put that in square quotes, uh, square quotes, happened at the White House last night. And it looks like the Nazis are at it again. Now, what's amazing about this story is um, these Nazis are awful dark. Uh, crime is going insane, and criminals are the and the criminals, according to the government, are those who are doing something about it. And natural gas for us, but not for you. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Oh, so much stuff is happening. So, a little personal note. Um, what's the best way to spend Memorial Day? Well, my family has decided we're going to Mexico. Great way to spend Memorial Day. Uh, we're going there to visit uh, Josie's brother. She gets some time off, so we're going to leave Friday night or Saturday morning. I'm not sure which. And we're just going to cruise over to Mexico. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, I've got my fingers crossed, we don't run into any issues. But, you know, you, you can never tell. One of the reasons we did not go to Mexico in the first place was um, because of the cartels. And apparently the cartels are leaking everywhere now. Um, again, we're kind of, we've been there, oh, jeez, 30, 40 times and never had a problem. So I'm hoping that this, again, the cartels, for the most part, you leave them alone, they'll leave you alone kind of thing. So we're kind of hoping for that. And we've decided, screw it, we're going to go anyway. Okay, so with that being said, you'll know why I'm not around Friday and Monday. Uh, let's get to some news. All right, so some news, and there's a lot of news. So we've got uh, some big news in Washington, D.C. Apparently, there was some guy who decided to drive through Lafayette Square in Washington, D.C., just outside the White House, and take a U-Haul truck, empty, nothing in the U-Haul truck, and in a slow speed, rammed into a fence in front of the White House. Now, nothing was really happened. No one knows why this guy did this. Uh, he basically got charged with uh, assault with a deadly weapon, reckless operation of motor vehicle, and destruction of federal policy, uh, property, and trespassing. Now, what was interesting about this, and I, I was watching it on Twitter, um, they found nothing in the van, nothing in the U-Haul. They only found a, basically, it looked like a bag and a Nazi flag. And the FBI or Secret Service or whoever it happened to be managed to just lay this Nazi flag out so all could see. I, apparently, there were a bunch of press that came there for this whole thing and the FBI usually very or the Secret Service usually very tight-lipped didn't bother to hide this flag they just laid it out I mean spread it across so that anyone could take pictures of it they left the flag there for about 10 minutes and then picked up the flag and put it away now the flag also looked brand new looked like somebody just bought the thing it was just kind of a weird scene so needless to say, the media is going off. This is, again, white supremacy, terrorist, terrorism. This is Nazism. The country is filled with Nazis. Yeah, well, they identified the driver. He's a 19-year-old from Chesterville, Missouri, named Sai Varsith Kandula. He is either Arab or he is Indian. The name looks Indian. 
And if you look at his picture, he doesn't look like the stereotypical white supremacist. He looks like a brown guy. Again, that doesn't matter because white supremacists, we've already found, can be Mexican, they can be black, apparently they can be Indian or um, Arab. doesn't make any difference. White supremacy comes in. But you know what would be refreshing? And I speak as a white supremacist because I believe that men are men and women are women and they can't switch and back and forth and fun stuff like that. Um, I It would be interesting to actually see a white white supremacist. But we don't see any of those. And it just seems like, gosh, yeah, it just looks like, it looks like they're really working hard to find white supremacists in this country. And they'll dig into the dregs. They will find anyone they can to be a white supremacist. So, good for them. I have no idea about this story. This story is going nowhere. It looks ridiculous. So, if they're going to go in there and scream, this was white supremacist, yeah, go for that. It's going to have as much effect as the Mexican guy that walked in and killed all those people and turned out to be a white supremacist, and then he's Mexican. So we'll go figure that. So the Dodgers, um, they've cowered out and reversed themselves again when it comes to their Pride Month celebration of the uh, Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Now let's remind you, because it is Tuesday and this started yesterday. This started over the weekend, and I talked about it yesterday. So the Dodgers at first invited the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, which is a trans drag group that is basically a hate group against Catholics. Um, they target all of Christianity and all of religion, but their main ire is against Catholics. And they were going to give them an award before a game. Well, they got a hell of a beatdown, and then they disinvited the group. Well, they decided to invite them again, because the Dodgers are cowards, apparently the leftists, and the funny thing is, I don't think there are a lot of people in the LGBTQ poop emoji group that the Dodgers should be catering to, but okay. So here's, here's the statement they released. After much thoughtful feedback from our diverse communities, which means leftists, honest conversations with the Los Angeles Dodgers organization and generous discussions with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, the Los Angeles Dodgers would like to offer our sincerest apologies to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, members of the LGBTQ plus poop emoji community, and their friends and families. Um, you know who they should be? apologizing to, and I think they're going to really have to apologize to, Julio Urias, who's a Catholic. Um, Vin Scully, who's a Catholic. Uh, Tommy Lasorda, who is a Catholic. Um, I even go Sandy Koufax, who is an Orthodox Jew. I think they should apologize to them because they've just hired a religious hate group. That's who they've done. They're going to award and celebrate a religious hate group. And by the way, just look at their name, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Indulgence is considered a sin. Continuing with their statement, we have asked the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to take their place on the field on the 10th annual LGBTQ plus poop emoji Pride Night on June 16th. We are pleased to share that they have agreed to receive the, gra receive the gratitude of our collective communities for the life-saving work that they have done tirelessly through the decades. 
By the way, what life-saving work have they done? Oh, that's right. Pushing, transing the kids. Because this group is known to dance in front of kids sexually. And pushing kids to have um, uh, sterilizing drugs and body mutilating surgeries. They push that. So I'm not sure what life-saving. You know who they should invite? The nuns from St. John's Hospital. The Catholic nuns from St. John's Hospital who actually go to the hospital to actually save lives. My grandparents were at St. John's. My parents were at St. John's. Um, that's a group that actually saves lives. Maybe they should go to a couple of the Christian or Catholic uh, parishes that actually go and feed the homeless. Um, those people seem like they've saved lives. I'm pretty sure the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, who basically like to boof each other and dress as women, mock Jesus, mock the Pope, um, they're not really saving any lives. Continuing, in the weeks ahead, we will continue to work with our LGBTQ plus poop emoji partners to better educate ourselves, find ways to strengthen the ties that bind and use the platform to support all the fans who make up the diversity of the Dodgers family. And those fans, um, honestly, probably make up 5% of their population, 5% of their fans, fan base. And I don't know, I used to go to Dodger games all the time, used to. And I didn't see one trans person there. So, okay, go for that. Go for it. Insult half the community. Los Angeles is a hugely Catholic and Jewish community. Huge. I'd say majority. And unfortunately for the LGBTQ plus poop emoji, they're taking in a lot of illegal immigrants. A lot of illegal immigrants are Catholic. So they're not gain they're not losing. Christians in Los Angeles. They're gaining them. And they've just hired a group or decided to promote a group that makes fun, that mocks Christian nuns, priests, the Pope, and of course, Jesus Christ. We can't forget Jesus Christ. So that's awesome. Go, go for it, LA Dodgers. Uh, needless to say, I will not be going to Dodger games anytime soon. Okay, another story, which is kind of huge. Jeffrey Epstein discovered that Bill Gates had an affair with a Russian bridge player. Apparently, Gates met this bridge player. She was 17 years old at the time. At a bridge tournament, they got to have a, an affair and a relationship. And Jeffrey Epstein found out about it. So Jeff, I'm going to make a long story short. Jeffrey Epstein was trying to have a, trying to create a, some sort of foundation. And he needed money so he could establish this foundation through J.P. Morgan Chase, and Gates didn't want to do it, and basically in emails, Epstein had said that, well, you know, I know about this gal. So basically, he was blackmailing, he was blackmailing Bill Gates. Uh, now, Bill Gates, to his credit, this happened actually right after the... Um, arrest and conviction of Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein. And so he may or may not have known about it, and this was for charity and things like that. So Big Gates, not a great guy personally, but he, he does a lot of charity work. But it just shows you 
what Epstein was like, and it shows you what Epstein, who Epstein has in his pocket. He's got someone like Bill Gates. Now, what's really amazing about the story is why did it take so long for this to come out? It, it's Gates or um, Epstein's been dead for six years or so. Okay, so how did this take so long to come out? And what ties does Epstein have with all these guys? We already know Gates went to Epstein Island about 50 times. But it also shows Gates lied about this. Gates openly said he did no business dealings with Jeffrey Epstein. All a lie. Okay, well, we can't wait. I mean, I, Maxwell, uh, this gal Maxwell, who was Epstein's partner in crime, has already said that she wants to release more names. I think we should find out before uh, Giselle Maxwell ends up dead in her jail cell, because you know that's coming. Uh, Tim Scott, Republican from South Carolina, has decided that he's going to run for president. Um, probably wants a post in the Trump administration. I can't see why he's doing this. He has no chance. He's not even in the one percentile. But, you know, hey, whatever. It, good for him. I like Tim Scott. I do. I really like him. Um, but, you know, stick as a senator. He has no chance in this election. And finally, the Biden administration continues to show how incompetent they are. So they went into Syria, apparently, and bombed a field in Syria. And supposedly they had gotten a high-level terrorist. Turns out this terrorist was a father who was tending sheep. Um, way to go there. And the Biden administration had to admit this. So instead of continuing the lie, they just said, oh yeah, no, we bombed this guy, no big deal. Nothing to see here. Um, they also, in their genius, have found an accounting error that shorted Ukraine $3 billion. Now, I can't imagine that if the IRS found an accounting error with me, there would be no problems or investigations into this. And any accounting error that I have would be a couple hundred bucks. These guys are short $3 billion. And, oh, well, we're shorted $3 billion. So what are they going to do with that $3 billion? Not figure out where it was. They're just going to give it right back to Ukraine. I absolutely freaking incredible. Okay, well, the war on floor. Let's get to our first story. That was the news. Um, this should actually be a story too. Uh, the war on Florida and Ron DeSantis just continues, and of course, it's continuing for a reason. Uh, it's continuing because Ron DeSantis is supposed to declare either tomorrow or Thursday for presidency. Now, I'm not sure DeSantis will declare. He seems to be losing uh, momentum by the minute, but he's supposed to declare. So the NAACP decided to release a statement issuing a travel advisory to black people saying, don't go to Florida. Florida, you will die if you go to Florida. Uh, this is what they said on their website. Quote, Florida is openly hostile towards African-Americans, people of color, and the LGBTQ plus poop emoji individuals. Before traveling to Florida, please understand that the state of Florida devalues and marginalizes the contributions of and the challenges faced by the African Americans and other community of colors. CEO Derek Johnson, he also had something to say. Let me be clear. 
failing to teach an accurate representation of the horrors and inequalities of black Americans that black Americans have faced and continue to face as a disservice to students and a dereliction of duty to all. Under the leadership of Governor DeSantis, the state of Florida has become hostile to black Americans and in direct conflict with the democratic ideals that our nation was founded upon. He should know that democracy will prevail because its defenders are prepared to stand up and fight. We're not backing down, and we encourage our allies to join us in the battle for the soul of our nation, blah, 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 blah. Okay, couple things wrong with this. This is obviously a political stunt. Everyone sees this as a political stunt. The NAACP doesn't ever do this. And the NAACP, I gotta be honest with you, doesn't have that kind of pull anyway. No one's listening to this crap. By the way, um, the black population in Florida has gone up. Why? Because people are moving out of Chicago, people are moving out of New York, people are moving out of, black people are moving out of Los Angeles, New York. Los Angeles has lost something like 10% of the black population it had. Guess where they're going? Texas and Florida. Arizona, Nevada, they're going to conservative states because they're crap holes. Tons of people from Chicago or New York who are black are moving out of uh, flo- out of New York and Chicago and going to Florida. Florida also has a tremendous number of black Cubans, of black Dominicans. They love it in Florida. So the black population in Florida is actually going up. So this is complete b- bullshit. Okay, next, five board members have been identified as vacationing in Florida within the last year. And supposedly had a great time. Some of them have vacationed more than once to Florida. So apparently they didn't fear that much going to Florida. And then the, the board, one of the board of mem- directors members of the NAACP lives in Florida and actually lives in a conservative portion of Florida. I didn't see him moving out. And then we got to get to the the bullshit that is this statement. The law, it is law in Florida to teach black history and slavery. It is illegal not to teach black history and slavery. It is illegal not to talk about the Civil War, not to talk about the slaves. It is illegal not to talk about Jim Crow and the Civil Rights Act and not to teach Martin Luther King. Do you know what it is illegal to do? Teach critical race theory. And the reason is critical critical race theory is a racist ideology. It's not history. It teaches black people that they are victims and that they have the moral high ground, whereas white people are victimizers and should be discriminated against. It teaches that. Read How to Be an Anti-Racist. By the, found, by the uh, I guess, prophet of CRT, Ibram X. Kendi. It says it right there. There needs to be discrimination against whites. We need to have segregation again. And then finally, one of the representatives of Florida at the House is a very highly uh, esteemed man by the name of Byron Donalds. Byron Donalds is black. And when he was asked about this, he said, this is nothing but a political hit. By the way, he's another white supremacist Nazi because he's a Trump supporter too. So just a complete BS statement. 
So over the weekend, in our next story, over the weekend, uh, Daniel Petty came out. And, of course, Daniel Petty is looking at um, fourth-degree manslaughter for killing this guy. Uh, what's his name? I don't even care what this guy's name is. Jordan Neely, right? Jordan Neely, lifetime career criminal, mentally insane drug abuser, homeless, walked into a train, started cussing everybody, started saying he was going to kill people, started saying he was going to take a bullet, blah, 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 that kind of crap. And then Daniel Neely, who's, or Daniel Neely, Daniel Penny, whose main crime is that he was white, respectable, and a Marine, put him in a, in a in, it, to say it's a chokehold is not true, put him in a, a, a hold. He decided to finally speak out. So uh, he did an interview with the New York Post, and it was a really good interview, and good for him. He needed to do this. So this is what he said initially said about Jordan E. Lee. He said, this had nothing to do with race. I judge a person based on their character. I'm not a white supremacist. I mean, it's, it's a bit comical. Everybody who's ever met me can tell you. I love all people. I love all cultures. You can tell by my past and all my travels and adventures around the world. I was actually planning a road trip through Africa before this happened. I'm a normal guy. And the reality is, he is a normal guy. He's a normal guy. He, and by the way, you're not going to see a lot of white supremacists in the Marines. Do you know why? It's one of the most diverse organizations. The military is one of the most diverse institutions in the world. Everybody can become a Marine. Everybody can join the Army. Very diverse. When asked uh, why he was on the train, quote, I was going to the gym. There's a pool there. I like to swim. I was living in the East Village. I take the subway multiple times a day. I think of the New York transit system as the best in the world. And I've got, I've been all over the world. Well, there's a shocker. So, you mean a guy travels on the subway in New York? What a shock. And he travels multiple times a day? Well, this basically throws cold water on the thought that he's a vigilante and he was looking for trouble. Okay, he was asked about the death of Jordan Neely, and basically he replied exactly the way everyone would reply. He regretted it. He didn't want to kill him, but he died. So this is what he said, quote, I'm deeply saddened by the loss of life. It's tragic what happened to him. Hopefully we can judge the system that so desperately failed us. And he's right. This guy should have been in prison. This guy should have been in a mental hospital. This guy should have been in a rehab center. And he's right. He continues, you know, I live an authentic and genuine life, and I would if there was a great threat and danger in the present. I don't mean to, I just do what I think is right. So basically, he's defending himself from defending himself and the other people on the train, which, by the way, multiple witnesses have come out and said they are defending him and saying he defended them. He was asked about the reaction by the press, activists, and celebrities. So I'll just read this from the Post. The Post, quote, The Post read Penny the statement made by the Reverend Al Sharpton at Neely's funeral in Harlem Friday. Quote, We can't live in a city where you can choke me to death with no provocation, no weapon, no threat, and you go home and sleep in your bed while my family has to put me into a cemetery. That's what Sharpton said. Penny nodded but said he was not sure who Sharpton is. 
I don't really know celebrities that well. He added that he does not watch the news. While he is aware of some of the negativity toward him and said it was somewhat surprised by the media onslaught, he was somewhat surprised by the media onslaught, he remained philosophical. If you're faced with all these challenges, you have to remain calm. What's the point of worrying about something? Worrying is not going to make your problem disappear. I attribute this to my father and grandfather. They were very, very stoic. The article went over his family life, the support of his family, the support he got from his family, the support he gives to his family. It talked about his service in the military, his his previous assignments, his current assignments. He, he's been promoted to a, star, a sergeant. It talks about his hobbies and his future, about how he's going to school right now. It was a good interview, and he sounds like a stand-up guy. And like I said earlier, more witnesses have come out and said that this guy is a hero. But here's the thing. This is what the media has to report on. This technically is a local story. It should not have been made national. Let's take a look at some crimes that have happened that weren't made national, that were local stories. And no one heard about them. So according to the Post Millennial, in a recently filed lawsuit by a 35-year-old Christina Yuna Lee, a, the Chinatown woman who was killed early in the morning on February 13, 2022, by a homeless man who followed her into her apartment, the victim's family alleged that the NYP, two NYPD officers heard her screams for at least five minutes and did nothing. The New York Post reports two identified cops dispatched out of the 5th precinct responded to Lee's 911 phone call, which she made while being attacked. The cops responded within four minutes, misquote Mrs. Lee, screaming for help, but failed to gain entry into Mrs. Lee's apartment until Miss Lee had been stabbed more than 40 times by her attacker and succumbed to her injuries, according to the lawsuit. The victim was Asian. The murderer was black. This is what happens when you demonize the police, and this is what happens when people don't do heroic things. Need more? Let's give you more. Here's another story a from the post-millennial. A California man found guilty of lighting UC Berkeley student on fire inside a boba tea shop in 2020 with a blowtorch has been released from custody and will avoid jail time, the Berkeley Scanner reports. Brandon McClone, 49, was referred to the the Veterans Treatment Court and will be participating in a diversion treatment program as part of a plea deal, according to Alameda County Superior Court records. Alameda County District Attorney Pamela Rice, who ran on racial equity, agreed to the plea deal after reaching agreement with the Defender's Office, the outlet reports. At the court hearing on April 28th, the Judge Kramer, Judge James Kramer said the charges, quote, will be dismissed end quote, if McClone, McClone successfully completes the diversion program. Okay, here's the thing. Um, the, this criminal attempted to murder, who attempted to murder four people inside the boba shop, he was black. The, per, people, the four people inside the shop were white. Need more? Let's keep going. According to Fox News, a Tennessee man found himself behind bars this week after returning fire at thieves who were trying to steal a van outside the home. A Shelby County man was notified by a surveillance system at around 2 a.m. Saturday that several people were outside his home using burglary tools in an effort to break into his van. After the man walked outside, the thieves fired shots at him 
as he stood beneath his porch light at the home, according to the outlet. And by the way, this was all recorded. Everyone saw what happened. You saw the shots. This guy just walked out, arms down to the side, and suddenly there were shots coming from these thugs. The thieves fled the scene, and the man went back into the house. But when police arrived, the man's wife said they began interrogating him. Quote, when they were talking to him, from what I saw, it was like they were trying to find ways to charge him. That doesn't sound right. Why would you pressure on the, why put pressure on the victim when you should be putting pressure on the suspects to be found? The deputies say the man told them that he could clearly see that he was targeting and admitted to firing the shots with his eyes closed due to being scared and shooting at the suspects as they fled, the outlet noted. The man who was not publicly identified was eventually arrested and charged with reckless endangerment. He was released on his own recognizance and uh, they think the charges will be dropped. This happened in Memphis. Memphis, by the way, is 65% black. So the, these people sounded white. They weren't identified directly. Sounded white or Hispanic. You couldn't tell. Uh, and you couldn't tell the race of the suspects, but you could assume. I, I will make the assumption that they were black. And, and the fact of the matter is, Memphis has a huge crime problem, a huge, huge drug problem, huge, uh, a, a huge uh, gang problem. When you hear that red states have just as high as crime, no, they don't. Memphis has high crime. Nashville does not have any crime. And Memphis is a blue city. Remember that whenever someone tells you, well, red states have high crime. No, they don't. It's blue cities within the red states that have high crime. For example, Alabama is a red state. Everyone points to Alabama, high crime. No, New Orleans has high crime. And New Orleans is a blue city within that red state. Same with Texas. No, Austin and Houston have high crime in Texas because they're blue cities within a red state. I got more. Oh yeah, we got more. Um, according to Post Millennial, police in Kenner, Louisiana, in New Orleans area, have revealed a new details of the possible racial, racial aspect in last month's fatal shooting of a handyman, Lawrence Herr. According to a law enforcement, one of the suspects who allegedly killed her while he was outside a house while repairing a mailbox, has confessed to his part of the crime, adding that two black men wanted to go out and kill the guy, kill a white guy. That's a quote from, I believe, Taj Matthews 23. He said that. Taj Matthews 23 and Maurice Holmes 25 have been booked with first-degree murder in connection with the killing of 66-year-old handyman who was shot on April 10th. Kenner Police Chief Keith Connolly said Tuesday, we have not found any relation between the victim and the suspects. In fact, the, the victim's back was to the suspects. This is happening all the time now. And all of these stories that I read, you're not going to hear them. Where's Reverend Al Sharpton there? Where is he? Black men are killing white people. Black men are killing Asians. There is a, a, a story just last week where a white woman, a pregnant white woman, was being harassed by five black teenagers. They wanted to steal her bike that she rented. And they accused the black woman of stealing the bike from the five black male teenagers. Of course, that didn't have a lot of uh, pull. That didn't work out real well. 
Well, how, how is crime being handled by our betters? Well, according to Fox News, the House on Thursday passed a resolution that condemns the recent efforts to defund or abolish the police over objections of more than half of the Democrats. Lawmakers voted 301 to 119 to pass a non-binding resolution that recognizes the, quote, dedication devotion demonstrated by the men and women of local law enforcement to keep our community safe and condemns calls to defund, disband, dismantle, and abolish the police. Every one of the no votes came from Democrats. And as the group of Democrats voted 87 to 117 against the measure, three Democrats voted present and all but two Republicans voted for it. During the debate, the top Democrat of the House Judiciary Committee, Representative Jerry Nadler, dismissed the bill resolution. This resolution is nothing more than an empty rhetoric designed to score political points. Yes and no. He's half right. Yes, it is a worthless bill. It's not going to change anything. But it does change one thing. We can see who doesn't support the police. Don't forget, the Democrats are now writing on its Republicans that are looking to defund the police. Well, you know how Democrats could have changed that? Maybe kept a little bit of that lie going by voting to not defund the police. None of them would. Less than half committed to not defunding the police. Only 87 out of the 120. So, yeah, it does have some political value. It has no social or legal value, but it does have some political value. The next time a Democrat sits there and says, hey, um, Democrat, Republicans are the ones defunding the police, all we have to do is point to this vote. And then point to individuals in this vote, including Jerry Nadler, including Ilhan Omar, including Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and all of those people we can point to. Oh, and New York continues to try and stop crime. Yes, I'm going long today. Um, theft, retail theft has been just a disaster. It's been up 44%. Well, you know something? What's his name? Uh, Eric Adams, he has a plan. He's tired of stores leaving. He's tired of local stores closing. He's tired of things like shaving cream and soup being locked up. And you have to wait to an employee to go get it. According to Daily Wire, per Fox 5, retail theft general has, in general has jumped 44% in 2022 in New York City. The crisis is so bad that Adams even mandated that masks should be taken off to enter stores, the opposite of the COVID days, to help reduce crime. I mean, my God, you, have, you cannot wear your COVID mask because of crime is so bad. Wow. It apparently didn't work because now he has a new plan. One that he says is top-notch. That's what he says. Quote, last year alone, 327 repeat offenders were responsible for 30% of the more than 22,000 retail thefts across our country, our city, Adams said last week. This hurt our business, our workers, our customers, and our city. That's putting it mildly, Adams, but it's... Let's hear what the plan is. I, I'm sorry, that is from the, it's not, my, it's not my conversation there. Quote, this plan will help us invest in diversion programs and in underlying factors leading to retail theft. Right off the bat, that, that rings bells to me. When you start talking about diversion programs, it means this shit's not going to do anything. 
Work upstream to stop some of the factors leading to a crime before one takes place. Trains retail workers do de-escalation tactics and security best practices and takes numerous actions to increase necessary enforcement against repeat shoplifters and deter organized crime rings perpetrating these thefts, he said. Wow. Based on that, you might expect the Big Apple to be returning to the days of broken window policies, stop and frisk, and other tough-on-crime methods. Nope, you'd be wrong to expect that. Now, I I read this three times, what he said. I don't know where this writer got any of that. It sounds like he's actually trying to find any way to keep these crooks out of prison. That's what it sounds like. And as a matter of fact... What Adams wants to do is pretty much exactly what it says. So this is what he wants to do. One, there are four things he wants to do. Giving first-time offenders intervention programs instead of prosecution. Aren't you doing that already and it's not working? Aren't you keeping people out of prison and you're trying to find all sorts of ways to get these guys midnight basketball? Does that sound familiar? Maybe none of that shit has worked. Maybe it's time to throw them into prison. Number two, de-escalation training for retail employees. What? Isn't that the job of the police? Don't forget, Adams used to be a police chief. Maybe you should be training police, put more police on the street so that retail employees don't have to do something that's not part of their job and de-escalate criminal activity. Isn't that putting the employee at risk? The employee at danger? I tell you, you know what would de-escalate? Employee having a gun. That might de-escalate things. They won't do that. Number three, establishing neighborhood retail watch groups to share information about theft in real time with other groups and police. Yeah, it's called a cell phone. And by the way, again, civilians doing the jobs of the police. Aren't, isn't this the police jobs? And by the way, uh, sharing information about police in real time? That's called a cell phone. Take your cell phone out and dial 911. It's already there. But nobody responds. Again, what would solve this? More police on the street and armed public. That will solve the problem. And by the way, before you start talking gun control and gun violence and all that crap that everyone talks about, The reality is New York has huge gun control laws over there. People don't have guns. Even in stores, they use knives or baseball bats. And finally, last but not least, and this is the uh, coup de grace, the creme de la creme of this plan, and this should save it. This should save New York from crime. Installing kiosks in stores to connect would-be thieves with social service programs. That's awesome. So instead of going in and stealing that $700 purse that Josie wants that I will never buy her, uh, the thief will just go to a kiosk and say, oh, I can go to the social program and get more welfare and food stamps. Jesus Christ, help us. What a bull. This guy has no... Yeah, well, you voted for this, guys. So fuck you, deal with it. All right. This is a story that happened last week, and I just can't stop it. So there has been this real push from the left to get people to stop using gas stoves, water heaters, 
dishwashers, air conditioners, of course, eat bugs, shit like that, right? Well, you know, what's good for you is not good for the elitists. And here's a story that proves just that. According to Fox News, in Palo Alto, California, local administrators have given an exemption to celebrity chef Jose Andres, Andre, whatever, that will allow his new restaurant to use gas stoves. Quote, faced with a threat of lawsuit, Palo Alto administrators have reversed their earlier decision and will now allow the new restaurant that chef Jose Andre plans to open at Stanford Shopping Center to use natural gas, Palo Alto Online reported. Simon Property Group, SPG, originally applied to build the restaurant in 2019, receiving local approvals before the city council revised the building codes, which required all new buildings to be electric. The developer installed gas gas lines into the building before city officials instructed that the building would have to be updated to the new code. SBG is confident that the enforcement of the new REACH code in this context is legally defective and unconstitutional. Here's a newsflash. It's legally defective and unconstitutional in any context. If I own a home, I should be able to run a gas line into that home. It's unconstitutional for them to prevent me to do that. Why is it in this context uh, illegal and unconstitutional? Huh. I wonder why. And SPG is thus prepared to take all actions necessary to enforce its legal rights to employ gas facilities within Building EE. SPG Group LLC attorney Anna Shimko wrote uh, to the city. The attorney continued by arguing how it would alter the caliber of the food and would force the five-star restaurant to change its menu. Um, here's a newsflash. Okay. Uh, we all have to do that. I hate electric stoves. They're terrible. But we all have to do that because we're not allowed to have them. But they can? Why is that? Uh, could it be that his... his uh, could it be that his uh, menu serves three hundred and fifty to five hundred dollar plates of food? Could that have something to do with it? Could it be that this is the kind of place that Gavin Newsom would show up to, or the city council, or the state representatives? Could it have something to do with that? Do you think if McDonald's threatened to sue, because McDonald's uses gas too, if McDonald's threatened to sue Palo Alto? Palo Alto would have any trouble spending taxpayer money to defend a lawsuit? Of course not. Because McDonald's is where you and I eat. Uh, Andres is not a place that you and I would normally eat, but the elitists would eat. What a complete load of bullshit, and this is exactly what's wrong with our country right now. What's good for you It's not necessarily good for us. Do as we say, don't do as we do. Okay, so I got to go learn how to cook eggplant parmesan. I got to go get a copy of my marriage certificate and uh, some other things right now. I hope you guys have a great day. Don't forget, um, I might not be doing a podcast on Thursday. Definitely will not be doing a podcast on Friday or Monday because we will be going to Mexico. If you don't listen... 
uh, to my podcast. I hope you guys have a great Memorial Day. And remember, celebrate those soldiers who have passed away for us. Also, visit uh, rumble.com and take a look at a, a couple of videos. They should all be out now. Uh, this is Gene. You've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics. God bless you all. <laughs>